Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and in just a couple of minutes, we're going to start in verse 23. As you're turning, I want to welcome those of you, especially in Montgomery County and Loudoun and Prince William, Arlington gathering tonight, and then those of you online, it's good to be together across Metro DC around God's Word. I want to start with a question. Is anybody here today tired? So maybe you're physically tired. I mean, you had an extra hour of sleep last night. I don't know why you're tired, but maybe you had a long night or a long week or maybe many long days. Being from Atlanta as a Braves fan, I've gotten considerably less sleep the last couple of weeks watching World Series games, but it was totally worth it. But I I think about some of you with young kids at home. It's been a long time since you had a good night's sleep. Others of you have children with special needs, or you have special needs, and it's been years, if not decades, since you slept through the night. So I'm assuming there are a variety of people here today who are physically exhausted. But I'm not just talking about physical weariness. Some of you are emotionally tired. Tired of worrying, exhausted from anxiety, maybe tired of being afraid. Some of you are tired of obsessive thoughts that won't seem to slow down in your mind or particular struggles that you can't seem to get past in your life. Or maybe you're tired of waiting for something to happen that doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. Some of you may be relationally tired, tired of tension or conflict that won't seem to go away Maybe with a coworker, maybe with a church member, a friend or a family member, maybe with a spouse or a child or a parent. Maybe you're tired in school or work. Or some might say you're just tired in life and may not necessarily be this one thing or that one thing, just hard days. And some of you, if you're honest, are like a friend of mine this last week who I hadn't seen in a while, was just catching up with, and he shared... David, most mornings, I don't want to even get out of bed. For some of you, it was a fight to get here today. Or maybe you stayed home and you're watching online because you're tired. And if all of those things aren't enough, and maybe this is making you tired. (laughs) Maybe you came in here just fine, but now that you think about it, you're exhausted. Thanks a lot, David. (laughs) It's like a fresh day until now. Let me just add one more possible dimension to this conversation. Do you ever feel spiritually tired? Tired of struggles with particular sins? Or maybe you have this constant sense that there's more you could or maybe should be doing. You could or should be praying more, reading the Bible more, giving more, doing more. But you're tired and all those things seem like more work. Faith and following Jesus feels like work, and you're weary. 
I guess that's the point in the end. Whether it's physical, emotional, mental, relational, or spiritual exhaustion, it's tired trying to do it, tiring trying to do it all. This is a real struggle for most, if not all of us. So let me illustrate. I'm going to ask a volunteer to join me up here. So Josh, if you could start making your way over here. And uh, Josh is one of uh, the seniors in our Rock student ministry. And uh, I just, I want to brag for a moment on what God is doing in our Rock senior uh, Rock's student ministry, and specifically some of these senior guys who came back from camp, and they were already walking with the Lord before that, but have just been fired up following Jesus, and it's affecting them and their schools. It's affecting this church, and it's not just we want to do all these awesome things out here. Like this is, I mean, Josh will right after this worship gathering be in Kids Quest, and he will be uh, serving alongside other adults, just pouring his life into younger kids to show them the the worth of Jesus. So, Josh, we are thankful for you, bro. And uh, so, Josh is also a pretty athletic dude. So, goes to South Lakes High School, and uh, and so I wanted somebody who is particularly athletic to take on a challenge today. And it's a really simple challenge, Josh. All you have to do is keep a couple balloons in the air. Like, how hard can that be? And each of these balloons will represent different facets of your life or our lives. So, for example, this first balloon represents your spiritual life. So simple enough. You just want to keep that in the air. You want that to be healthy, right? Okay, so here we go. Just keep that in the air. That's good. All right. Okay, so let's just add one, like, small, simple thing. Like, you got school to do. Different people have work. Maybe you have school and work. So we're just going to keep that in the air, too, okay? There you go. Let's give it up for Josh, doing pretty good. All right, we've got two balloons in the air, but then you have a family. We want to make sure you keep family in the air. Family's very important, so make sure to keep family in the air, bro. And then, I don't know if you want any little help. Uh, I don't know if you want some friends along the way, but you certainly want to keep some close friends. And so, there we go, man. Keep some friends going along the way. Oh. Man, now that they start, well, this was already out. Uh, now they're starting to drop. I'm going to give you this one just to feel guilty about the balloons that you're dropping in your life right now. Now, on top of that, I want to add just a few struggles in your life, maybe some emotional, spiritual, physical struggles you might come along. And now, oh, man, you're letting them a lot fall. Here's some doubt whether or not you, you can even handle the things in your life. So let's keep going. You want to... You wanna, Stay healthy and exercise. Bro, you got two balloons in the air. So you want to you eat healthy along the way, like make sure to stay organic. And then in the middle of it all, you need to rest and you need to get some sleep. Bro, here's some fear because you can't hold it all in the air. All you got is fear right now, bro. Everything. Now, wait a minute. I got a couple more. Here's some social media. If you can kind of keep that in check while everything else is falling. One thing I totally forgot, a pandemic. Let's give you a pandemic. So put some masks and vaccines in that, and there you go. Josh, you've got fear and a pandemic left in your life. Let's give it up for Josh. Thanks, you just leave, You just leave him, man. Oh. Wow. 
You get the point? Like, it's no wonder we, can, we had a balloon down here, and we got a, a baby playing with a balloon. Like, that's priceless. Uh, she's going to be so sad if you take that away. Um, like, it's tiring trying to keep it all together, right? Trying, tired trying to keep this or that from falling. Trying to get it all right. But what if I told you today that in the middle of all of that, rest is possible? In the middle of all of it. What if I told you that the God who made you desires rest for you? And one of the reasons he sent Jesus was to make supernatural rest We got, we got some air blowing here, and it just took that balloon. Hopefully that won't happen throughout the sermon. <laughs> Didn't foresee that one coming. What if Jesus came to make supernatural rest a surprising reality in your life? Now, some of you might think, I doubt it or I don't believe it. I doubt or I don't believe Rest is possible amidst everything in my life in this world. And if that's you, whether you are a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, or you're not, maybe this is your first time in church, I want to invite you, anybody who's tired, to listen particularly to this story in the book of Mark. Actually, it's two stories back to back. We're going to start in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And read all the way into the beginning of chapter 3, verse 6. And I just want you, while we read through this, count how many times you see the word Sabbath. So that's the Hebrew word for rest in these two short stories. So we'll start with Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Just count how many times you see the word Sabbath. And I'll try to point them out as we go along the way. So one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And it's talking about Jesus. As they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, but also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Chapter 3, and again Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with Herodians against him, how to destroy him. How about that? Like, what in these stories is worthy of being killed? 
Well, notice in these two short stories, you see this picture of Sabbath rest, how many times? Seven times, right? Now let's get a little background here. This is a word in the Bible that goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. I won't have time to turn to all these places, but let me just show you. The second chapter of the Bible tells us about how when the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. That word in the very beginning of the Bible is the word from which we get Sabbath in Mark chapter 2 and 3. So here in Genesis chapter 2, why would God tell us this about him resting? After all, it's not like God ever gets tired. God is all-powerful. And it's not like God can take a day off from upholding the universe. If God did that, we would cease to exist. Well, keep going to the next book of the Bible, and we'll start to see that God here was instilling a pattern into the very fabric of creation for all of us to follow. In Exodus chapter 20, out of all Ten Commandments, only one starts with the word remember. As God directs our attention back to Genesis 1 and says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And that word holy means set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of rest to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God says, I've created you, not just to work, yes, that, but I've created you to rest and just think about that reality generally, because God didn't have to create you and me this way, right? Think about rest. Think about sleep. Why did God design us to need sleep? You and I sleep for about a third of our lives. A third of our lives is spent like we're dead. God did not have to do that. And we're made in his image. He doesn't sleep. So why do we have to sleep? Just think of all we could do all we could accomplish, all we could experience and enjoy if we didn't have to sleep. So obviously there are reasons behind why God created us to need sleep or rest. And when you look in the Bible, you learn that one of the reasons, if not the primary reason that God has created us to need rest like this is to remind us that we are not God, that we are not all-powerful, That we are not self-sufficient. I love how John Piper describes this. He said, sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. That sickness is a chronic tendency to think that we are in control and that our work is indispensable. And to cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he or she has to give up all control and become as limp as a suckling infant every single day. Are you seeing this? 
From the very beginning of creation to the very best first set of commandments God gives to the very design of our bodies, God has created us for rest. And he calls us to rest and not just physically. Yes, God designed us to rest from work on a weekly basis. But think of all the other ways. Just list some of them out that God has designed for you and me to experience rest. God desires you to experience rest from fear, 1 John 4, 18. God desires you to experience rest from all worry, to, to be free, not to worry about anything, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. God desires you to experience rest from all anxiety about anything, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says. God desires you to experience rest from sin, Romans 6, 18. God desires you to experience rest from efforts to save yourself from sin. That's the whole book of Galatians. Even more than that, God desires for you to experience rest from endless efforts to satisfy yourself in this world. From endless running after money, positions, possessions, pleasures in this world, thinking this will satisfy me or that will do it, and coming up empty. God says to his people in Jeremiah 2.13, you don't have to keep drinking water from broken cisterns that don't hold water when I will completely satisfy your soul. I can keep going on and on. God desires you to experience rest from having to control everything around you, particularly in the middle of challenges around you. Psalms 116, verse 7 says, Return, O my soul, to your rest. And to go back to the picture of these balloons, God desires you to experience rest from trying to hold up everything and get everything right, which brings us back to these stories in Mark. So with all that background in the Bible about God's design and desire for you and I to experience rest, we come to this story of Jesus walking with his disciples on the Sabbath day. His disciples are hungry, so they pluck some heads of grain to get something to eat. And some Pharisees are following them. And as soon as the disciples take that grain into their hands, the Pharisees say, why are you doing that? That's not lawful on the Sabbath. And we've got to get into the minds of these guys. Remember, these are religious students, teachers, defenders of God's law, who tried to apply God's law to every single detail of life, believing that was the key to earning favor with God. They were what we would call legalistic. They thought that life in a relationship with God, a good and right life before God, consisted in getting everything right, keeping all the balloons in the air. And they were meticulous about everything you needed to get right, creating all kinds of rules that went beyond even what the Bible said and imposing them on everybody else. They were zealous about putting a lot of balloons in the air and keeping them all in the air to the point where there were no exceptions. So Jesus tells them this story about David in the Old Testament when he was in need and he was hungry, going into the tabernacle, eating a piece of bread with his men, which was something reserved only for the priests to do. But it was okay in that instance because they were hungry. And that's just it. These Pharisees were missing the point of the law. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God's command for our rest is for our good, not our misery. 
including God's command for us to rest. And I know this, Jesus says, because I'm the one who gave the command. I am Lord of the Sabbath. Now that was a massive statement. Jesus, this man, Lord of the Sabbath, like in charge of the Sabbath day, Jesus is the Lord of rest. You realize what a shocking statement this was? It's why they wanted to kill him. Jesus just said, I'm the author of rest. I'm the ruler and the Lord of rest. And now we're getting to why this story was so revolutionary for these Pharisees to hear and why this is so revolutionary for you and me to hear because this story is making clear, follow this, that rest is not found in getting everything right in your life. Because if it is, we are all hopeless. Aren't we? Who of us can get it all right? Living like we can is a recipe for unrest, for unrelenting weariness, for all the things we've already mentioned. Trying to get it all right leads to worry and anxiety and stress and fear and frustration and failure and unfulfillment because you'll never get there. But what if rest is not found in getting everything right in your life? What if rest is found in entrusting everything in your life to Jesus as Lord? That is revolutionary truth. And I pray that God would give you eyes to see it, ears to hear it, and hearts to believe it. That you, right where you are sitting right now, can find supernatural rest for your soul in Jesus as Lord of your life. Let me me put another picture in your mind, a biblical picture. comes straight from Psalm 131. I think about a particularly challenging time in my life. I won't go into all the details here, but just a lot of confusion and temptation to worry and fear. And I remember reading Psalm 131, verse 1 and 2 in my quiet time one day, and it hit me like it was clear, like God just speaking this word over my heart. Follow this. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, things I can't understand, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Do you see this biblical picture? Like a weaned child with its mother. Picture a baby sleeping in a mother's arms, not worried about anything in the world, just totally content in a mother's arms. That kind of calm and that kind of quiet is what God desires for you and me. In the middle of it all, a calm and a quiet, a rest from worry and fear and whatever else. Now you might think, yeah, but I'm not sleeping through all these things in my life. I actually have to go to work or school and 
I have to engage with this relationship, and I have to deal with this struggle, and I want to do what God commands me to do. Yes, 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 do all of those things, but the point is rest, calm, quiet is only possible in the middle of these things as you trust Jesus as the Lord of your life and the Lord over those things. Hear hear what God's Word is teaching us as you live, as I live, and I use this term live like Think about all that life entails, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, with school and work and family and friends and struggles and pandemic and whatever else. As you live, how can you rest? You can rest in Jesus' lordship over everything. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I've had had a variety of conversations, specifically over the last couple of weeks, with Muslim friends and a couple of Muslim Uber drivers, all of whom have told me that Jesus is a great man and a great teacher and a great prophet. And I've shared with all of them, that is not true. Jesus is not just a great man or a great teacher or a great prophet. Jesus is Lord. There's a big difference. Jesus is God in the flesh. This is the point over and over again in the book of Mark. Jesus is Lord over it all. He's Lord over sickness. He's Lord over suffering. He's Lord over disease. He's Lord over demons. He's Lord over leprosy. He's Lord over paralysis. He's Lord over sin. And today, see it, Jesus is even Lord over the Sabbath. He's the Lord over rest, the author and ruler of rest, the creator and designer of rest, ultimately the only source of rest, which makes sense, right? He is God. This is what we see all over the Bible. I think about Psalm 121, when the psalmist is in in trouble, overwhelmed by all that's coming at him in this world, and he writes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made all this, heaven and earth, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Do you see it? Amidst all the turmoil in this world, all the stuff in this world, there is a Lord who never slumbers or sleeps and who's ultimately in control of it all. That's why Psalm 46 talks about the earth giving way, the mountains trembling, waters roaring and foaming. And in the middle of it all, what does verse 10 say? Be still and know that I am God. How about Isaiah 30, 15? Again, in the middle of turmoil, God says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Do you see the parallel? Isn't there? Returning and rest, that's quietness and trust. Rest equated with trust. It's in trusting God that you find rest. I have shared this on on different occasions. I'll just mention it again here as it's an ongoing battle in my own faith, in my own family, is we're now fast approaching two years of waiting to go bring our son home through adoption. And after being three days away from going to pick him up, wondering why, in the middle, all the waiting, the passage that has meant the most to me 
by far has been Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31. Even you shall faint and be weary, young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. What an interesting verse. Like in the middle of exhaustion, the key to strength, to running without weariness, like flying like eagles, walking and not being faint. What's the key to all of that? Those who wait for the Lord. Those who wait for the Lord. And I've shared before, one, one Bible commentator said the best translation for this word wait is to rest trustfully in the Lord. To rest trustfully. To trust that while you are waiting, the Lord is working. And the Lord is good. And the Lord can be trusted. The key to rest in this world is trust that Jesus is Lord over this world and everything in it, including everything in our lives. Isn't, isn't this the picture of sleep? Psalm 127, verse 2. God gives to his beloved sleep rest. Why? Because they trust in him. Again, Piper is so helpful here. He writes, sleep is a parable that God is God and we are mere men. God handles the world quite nicely while a hemisphere sleeps. Sleep is like a broken record that comes around with the same message every day. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Man is not sovereign. Don't let the lesson be lost on you. God wants to be trusted as the great worker who never tires and never sleeps. He is not nearly so impressed with our late nights and early mornings as he is with the peaceful trust that casts all anxieties on him and sleeps. As you live, you can rest in Jesus' lordship over everything in this world and everything in our lives. And you can rest in Jesus' love for you. So this is the beauty here in Mark chapter 2 of Jesus' simple concern for his disciples to have food on the Sabbath. All the more so in the second story of a man with a withered hand. We don't know much more detail than that, but surely this affected everything in this man's life on every level. And these Pharisees cared more about getting everything right according to their rules than they cared about this man in need of healing. And Jesus was, remember what it said? He was filled with anger, grieving at the hardness of their heart. What a picture of emotion. He's angry that they would treat this man's needs so lightly, and he was grieved at how hard their hearts were. So concerned about their rules, getting everything right, that they lost sight of love. Don't do it. Don't do it. You can rest, rest, rest in this rock-solid reality that the one who is Lord over all is in love with you. This is the gospel. This is the greatest news in the world. It's the message at the center of Scripture. We have all been created by God for ultimate rest in relationship with God. 
Problem is we have all rebelled against God, which has led to unrest in our lives and unrest all around us in the world. But God has come to us in the person of Jesus. That's what just a couple days ago, sharing with a very kind Muslim man from Senegal, saying God did not just send a prophet, God came himself in the person of Jesus. He lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death on the cross for the sins of all who would trust in him. Then he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. The greatest news in all the world is that God has made a way for us to experience rest from sin, from the penalty of sin, the price of sin in one sense now, and ultimately for all of eternity. In the words of Psalm 116, which I mentioned earlier, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. So return, oh my soul, to your rest. That's the picture that we have here in Psalm 116 of salvation. Why? For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. You have been given rest from eternal death. There is nothing beyond the power of God to give you rest. So find rest in Jesus' love for you. And not just that. So finally, as you live, and this is so key, rest in Jesus' life in you. There's a ton we could say here. But I need to draw this to a close. Let me just summarize by saying that for everyone who trusts in Jesus, who entrusts your life to Jesus as Lord, that means the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of rest, is dwelling inside of you. If there's one verse that summarizes the entire Christian life, I think it's Galatians 2.20. We've studied it before. And this is what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. Uh, let me read it, and then let's make the connection. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see that? Make the connection with the supernatural rest We find in this verse, Jesus Christ, the one who loved me so much that he gave his life for me on a cross, he lives in me. Which means that no matter what I find myself juggling at any point in my life, I have Jesus himself inside of me helping me with everything I need. When I am weak, I have the strength of Jesus in me. When I am confused, I have the wisdom of Jesus in me. When I'm afraid, I have the power and courage of Jesus in me. When I'm alone, I have his spirit, his presence inside of me. When I'm anxious, I have the peace of Jesus inside of me. The Christian life is a life of realizing this in a wearying world to keep going back to the rest we have in Jesus in us, which is why 
when Matthew tells this story of these disciples picking grain on the Sabbath and Jesus healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath, right before that, Matthew records Jesus saying to the crowds, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And then he tells the stories we've read in Mark today. The imagery here is powerful as Jesus says to weary and heavy laden people, come into the yoke with me. It's the imagery, picture two oxen linked together by a yoke. And what you would do is you would pair a stronger ox with a weaker ox. And the stronger ox is able to carry that weaker ox along. Come into the yoke with me. Join your life with me. Find your strength in me. Find your wisdom in me. Find everything you need in me and I will enable you to go through all of these things with a supernatural rest. Knowing, so let's come back to this picture that Jesus is Lord over all these things. That Jesus is Lord over our spiritual lives. He's Lord over our friendships. These things have scattered everywhere around this stage. It's gonna take a minute. He's Lord over the guilt we oftentimes feel. He's Lord over school and work. Jesus, Lord over our family, all the relationships therein, our marriages, parenting, our singleness. He's Lord over every struggle we have, emotional struggle, physical struggle, mental struggle. He gives to his beloved sleep, Lord over rest. Praise God. Jesus is Lord over pandemics. COVID is not sovereign. God is sovereign. I had a couple down here that I'm about to take away from some kids, but I promise I'm going to give you guys a balloon after this is all over. I promise. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't do let's, 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 let's do a handoff right over here. Lord over social media. Lord over what we eat and how we take care of our bodies. Lord over doubt. And Lord over all fear. Thanks, bro. Like Jesus is the Lord. He holds all of these things in his hand. Amen. Like when you read... 1 Peter 5, and it says, cast all your cares on me. It's because he is big enough for all of them. And he's not just Lord over them. The one who is Lord over them loves you and is absolutely committed to giving you everything you need for all of these things. 
at every moment, when you're in the middle of that struggle, when you're in that workplace or in that school, when you're walking through this or that conflict or tension, Jesus is right there with you. You're never, ever alone. He's Lord over it all, and he's alive in you. And when you realize who he is and the yoke that you're brought into, then you realize no matter what this world throws at you, add some more balloons into it, like, you realize it is possible to have supernatural rest in the middle of it all. And can I just remind us, yes, that's a reality in this world, but there's also coming a day when the Bible describes eternal rest. For all who trust in Jesus, yes, there is rest today, and then one day there will be no more sin, and there will be no more sorrow, and there will be no more struggles, and there will be no more tears. He'll wipe every single one of them away from our eyes. This is the hope we have. This world is not ultimately our home. And so we press on, we trust in him, in the yoke with him, as we look forward to a day when eternal rest will be ours. Do you know that? Do you know that in your life? Do you know that in your life today? And do you know that day is coming for you? Let me ask you to bow your heads with me. All across this room and other locations, online, could you just bow your head and Let me ask you this question. Do you, right where you're sitting right now, know Jesus as Lord? As the Lord who has died on a cross for sins and risen from the grave and who reigns as Lord over all, and do you know him as Lord of your life? You know him as Lord of your life. And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, then I want to invite you. It's right now in the quietness of your heart to say for the first time to Jesus, I trust in you. To say to God, I know that I've sinned against you. I've turned away from you and that my soul will only find rest in restored relationship to you you to say today, I believe that Jesus is Lord, that he has died on a cross for my sins. He's risen from the grave in victory over sin. And that my soul can only find rest in him. Would you express that to God now and as you do by faith to do exactly what we just said, to rest for the first time your soul in Jesus' lordship, in Jesus' love, in Jesus' life now in you. And for all who know Jesus as Lord, would you just be reminded in this moment, maybe to say to him, Jesus, I, I need rest in you. Amidst this or that in your life, just to lay it before Jesus and to say, Jesus, I need your rest, I need your strength, I need your wisdom, I need your help, I need your peace, I need your life in me. I want to experience life in the yoke with you.
Jesus, there is no one like you. We exalt you as the Lord over rest and the Lord over sin and the Lord over death. You are the Lord of life. And we say together today, our souls are restless until they find their rest in you. And we praise you for the rest you make possible for us. And we lay all these different things in our lives, not to minimize any of those things, like hard things that so many people are walking through, reasons for all kinds of exhaustion around this room. God, we lay them all before you, and we trust that you are Lord over them all. I pray that every single person within the sound of my voice would know your love for them in the middle of it all. They might experience we together might experience your life in the middle of it all. We love you, Jesus. We praise you as the Lord of the Sabbath. And we pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.